2: It was a different type of reunion with our, our big beefy boy Nick Richie up north, um, who I I think Toronto I was early. Like, I don't
0: like that. So.
2: <laughs> I think Toronto was already turned on our big beefy boy, oh, yeah. um, which like duh. <laughs>
1: that's
2: that's gonna be the, the big beefy boy up north. Is that gonna be the name of the title? <laughs> yeah, I mean, better
1: than weird. the big beefy boy down south. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually thinking that, but I didn't want to bring it there.
0: Big um, beefy boy.
2: Welcome in. You know what it is. It's the Bruins and Bruins podcast. My name is Cam Hasbrook, joined as per usual by Drew Johnson and Chris Gere. Uh, We got a slight change of plans tonight. We had a guest lined up, but we had to postpone that one until next week. Very excited about that, that. I don't want to call it an interview, but that guest appearance, I guess. So keep an eye out for that one next week. But for now, we've still got plenty to talk about because we are finally pulling full steam away into hockey season <laughs> with puck drop. <laughs> on the boston pride season this past weekend of course the bruins dropped the puck a couple weeks ago full steam ahead like i said as as boston hockey fans right now between the phf and the nhl we'll get to all that in just a second but of course this is the Bruce and Bruins podcast so we're going to talk about some drinks first i saw chris was cracking something open there and it looked like it had a pretty cool can if you've oh, listened yeah. to this podcast before you know we are big fans of cans and oh my god that is you might have to tweet that one out with this podcast that's a pretty yeah, sweet one
1: I probably uh, chris will. what you got uh so this one is from pariah brewing company one of my favorite san diego breweries um i don't see their stuff around in cans a whole lot i've in fact this is the first beer i've had out of a can from their brewery um i've only had beer straight from their taps and was very excited to go to uh, my liquor store and see that they had some in stock. So uh, this one's called Passion of the Kiwi. Um, it's a <laughs> passion fruit kiwi uh, session sour wheat ale. Um, and man, it's uh, it's something. Four point two percent alcohol, uh, five IBUs, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a sour, so we'll we'll uh, give it as a go. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you can taste the passion fruit there and like probably more an aftertaste of kiwi. Um, so in terms of tasteability, it's like a 26. Um, drinkability, it's not too sour. So, you know, and it's a session sour. I don't know what that means in terms of, uh, beers we'll have to get another brewer on to tell us about that but um yeah 4.2 percent alcohol it's uh it's drinkable it's it's pretty drinkable we'll go uh 34.
2: awesome i like that it looks like a uh, type of beer that i would enjoy I have in the right mood for it but it looks pretty good
0: i don't think there are many beers that you wouldn't <laughs> you yeah, know what for that white pumpkin one uh, I yeah, don't yeah that
2: was like the, <laughs> the all-time l for
0: it's pretty over a year podcast. and i can still taste it that's that's how drinkable or undrinkable it is. <laughs> uh, well, what are you what are you going to be washing that out with today, Drew? Uh, I'll be washing it out with a King Sue. It's a double IPA, King Sue. And what do you think of when you hear the words King Sue? Of course, you think of a T Rex, and that's what's on the can. Um, yeah, well, about from- like a great day for cans. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, from Toppling Goliath Brewing Company. Out in Decora, Iowa. Decora, Iowa. It's Decora, yeah. <laughs> Decora! Decora! Um, Drew, I didn't know you went to Iowa. Oh, yeah, man. I'm a hawk. Or, are are they the hawks? The Iowa hawks? The Hawkeyes. <laughs> Hawkeyes. <laughs> Whatever I was They got, you know, right ballpark. Speaking of ballparks, I'd have one of these at the ballpark. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. (laughs) Um, Ballpark ability, uh, pretty high. Uh, Drinkability, I mean, double IPA. Dangerously drinkable, especially at a ballpark. Uh, Check out our last episode for shower beer reviews. Um, (coughs) Oh, yeah, or don't. uh, Drinkability, (laughs) considering it's a double IPA, I'm going to go with a 22. If we're not considering it's a double IPA and it's just a beer, we're going to go with an eight. Uh, tasteability though, you can definitely taste it. It has a uh, mango, orange, and pineapple flavors from them uh, delicious citra hops. All hail the kings! That's what the uh, brewery company says. Uh, yeah, tasteability. I'll go uh, twenty-seven. You can definitely taste those like those citrus flavors, but I feel like it's pretty muted. I feel like there's definitely more of that standard hoppiness in there so it's actually kind of a good mix i'm not usually a huge fan of the super citrus super citrusy i suppose i should say beers uh but th- this is a good one i like it awesome love to see that um
2: i've got one that was recommended by a co-worker it's a cider actually um from down east it's their uh, winter. yeah their winter i don't know what's called oh. just winter cider
0: i okay. yeah I everybody I has been telling story. me that
2: at this that this thing's uh, fantastic. So um, first thing I'm noticing that there's upside down text on here uh, and it says, we know it's upside down. Why? Because the best way to drink our unfiltered cider is to shake it up first and by turning the can over to read this, you're already halfway there. Give it a shake, wait 10 seconds and enjoy. So I'm going to shake that quick while we wait. I'm a little scared shaking carbonated beverages, but it, the I can says do it. I don't think you have to shake it that much. Yeah, oh, I geez, it, did I You're it already
0: halfway there when you're reading it. So you well, just I, I figured that was back. like
2: metaphorically halfway there. I do see that there's a, uh, a little cartoon <laughs> bon skier rocking a backflip on the can though. So I like that. Uh, anyway, it says <laughs> shorter days, freezing cold. It does. It is shorter days. I was golfing today and the sun set at like 4:20. It was fucked. Uh, that sucks. It does suck, but this cider doesn't a perfect mix of cinnamon, nutmeg and toasted Oak to keep you warm. Despite it being a cold cider. Let's give it go. All right. Yeah. It did not explode on me. So that's good. Um, Oh yeah, it definitely smells like like you're sitting by a fireplace somewhere in the in the dead of winter. Let's give it a go. Wow, yeah, that's that's really good. I'm trying to think of what it reminds me of. I mean, the cinnamon definitely stands out. Um, as does the nutmeg. I'd say the oak is a little more subtle, but uh, I mean, it tastes like you're you're sipping Christmas or something there. Drinkability. Um, it is six and a half percent, but it's. It's so sweet that I mean you could you could probably pound a few of these. You might get a head. I don't know how sugary it is, but you might get a headache down the road. Um I'm gonna give it like a twenty-one. No, nah, no, nah, it's too low. Twenty-five for drinkability and uh, a thirty-five for taste. This thing this thing really pops. Um definitely a big fan if you're if you're into the cinnamon kinda any type of wintery nutmeg, those sorts of flavors. It's definitely lived up to the expectation that I was uh I was given for it. So I would I would definitely recommend giving something like that a try
0: i was at uh, hannaford's yesterday with uh julia and i went to get some i got some i had it in our carriage we got in line i asked julia do you have your id she said no so then i got out of line and put them back because they checked both ids there um so that was sad so it was very but I, you know i'm glad you're enjoying it but I, I was planning to feature it on the pod too and that would have been funny if we both uh, <laughs> had did it at the same idea. time yeah um but yeah, sad. So hopefully I get my hands on that soon because I love Down East. They're pumpkin moi. They're, they're regular moi. They're, I don't I don't, do is, I what does mean. moi mean? Is that good? Moi. Is that like a chef's Yeah, Yeah, yeah. it's case? like oh. a little, yeah. For, yeah it's <laughs> it's a little good. bit. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah I'm bit concerned about what that meant. But um, yeah, <laughs> good stuff. Go <laughs> check out Down East. Um, I, I've talked a lot about Citizen Cider on this pod before. I really like the stuff that they have. I think they're out of Vermont. Citizen Cider, is that right? Yeah. I think it's like so. Burlington or something like that. But uh yeah, big fan of uh big fan of uh this this down east one. I've not had too many. I think they've had their whatever their normal one is, or like original cider, but this yeah, is the first uh... kind of off ran that I've had. It's pretty good. Uh anyway, hockey. Hockey is happening. We are not quite in the winter, but might as well be at this point. Um Let's talk a little Boston Pride kicking off the season. Uh, pretty big expectations. This is still a very loaded group uh, despite some changes over the offseason um, after winning last year's Isabel Cup. We get a, a two-spot rematch of the Isabel Cup final between the Boston Pride and the Minnesota Whitecaps to start the season off, and it certainly did not disappoint. This was like a, a test of which type of hockey fan you were this weekend because you had a 10-goal <laughs> thriller in Game 1 and then a one to nothing defensive battle in Game 2. Um, I want to talk a little bit about game one first. I believe it was six different goal scorers for the pride. Um, yep. They were ruthless in the beginning of this game. There were some some things I didn't love at the end. It got a little bit close for comfort, but I mean, this does not look like a team that has been off for as long as they have. And and even then, I mean, you, you, they had the abbreviated season last year in the bubble and then that was paused because of the COVID outbreaks in Lake Placid. Eventually they went back and finished it and, you know, Boston kind of worked out for them because, you know, obviously not, the COVID outbreak working out for them, but uh, they were not playing their best hockey in Lake Placid in the original bubble, but came back and got things done when it really mattered. They did not look like a team that had any rust, unlike the Bruins uh, after this off season, they were foot on the gas right out of the bat and developed a six to one lead. I think it was on Minnesota before that got close to the end, Chris, I know you got to watch a fair amount of that. What was your impression of the team so far?
1: I think just like we all expected uh Lavisa Salander Versus Amanda Levy and you get 10 goals. Um, yeah, I don't I I tweeted this out during the game, but when the pride went up big early um, in the limited amount of time I've spent watching the White Caps, I've learned that no lead is safe against the White Whitecaps. Um, yeah, it's a. You know, uh...
2: I remember watching like that first broadcast and they were like talking about the kind of the explosiveness of the Minnesota offense. And I was like, well, where is it? Cause we're up six to one right now. And it doesn't look like it's particularly hard for our team. And then that third period changed a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, but the, I mean, they have some all world players like Allie Thunstrom is unbelievable. Um, and, and Lexi Lang, former, uh, former Boston pride uh, looked really good with her new team. And uh, I believe she you know, scored. Yeah, for a for a team uh, that kind of looks like they're hurting for center depth. Uh, yeah, it kind of sucks that she's not around again this year. But um, I, I mean, what I was looking for, uh, I, I think. What any any time you're looking at the first game of the season is uh, how how are they going to respond to a long period off. Especially after winning a championship, is this a team that looks satisfied to, uh, you know, rest on their laurels and having having won another championship and uh, kind of come out cruising? And they definitely didn't look like it. They were fully on the attack. Everybody looked dangerous. Um, even some new players looking good. Um, and I thought, especially in the first two periods, the defensive effort was there as well. Um, and yeah, I think you can't draw it up any better at least for the early part of that game than seeing six different people score goals and uh I mean especially for a a player like Taylor Winskowski who you know didn't do a whole lot of scoring last year with the exception of the game winner uh in the Isabel Cup final um to come out and score the first goal of the season like that's that's cool and that's something i'm looking forward to watching see if her game's developing and uh maybe she's turning into kind of a force um and then i guess the other thing is just like mckenna brand season um yeah she looked so dangerous every time she touched the puck and um i believe scored the one goal in the in the sunday game and uh, also scored the second or third one in uh saturday's game um but also had several other opportunities and um just looked like she could score whenever
2: absolutely yeah really impressive to see that much depth like you had said just kind of right right off the bat really promising obviously as well I mean that's something that I think we'd all kill to see with the Bruins having six different I don't can't remember the last time they had six people scoring one night Uh, probably been a while but um yeah I mean that kind of depth for a team that I mean obviously is so loaded with stars that's the thing that you think about when you're talking about the pride uh, Jillian Dempsey, McKenna Brand, Christina Patina up front. You got some youngsters like Sammy Davis who are still growing into their games that are really strong. Uh, defense, Kelly Fracken won Defender of the Year last year. Uh, Amanda Bollier is a new one, but she's looking really good. I've got her on my fantasy team, and I was very happy <laughs> about that pick. Uh, of course, our good friend uh, Mallory Siliotis out there, always going to be a strong defender. This is a team that is kind of – I don't even want to say top-heavy because it's not like – it's too imbalanced based on the rest of the lineup but they have some of the best players in the world on this team and uh to see a team that has that much stardom like you know pretty much two first lines that the Bruins have at this point still have that kind of depth scoring one game into the season is is really promising for sure yeah Uh, I've only
0: uh I've only gotten to see uh one period of hockey in the past week uh (laughs) and that was Bruins so uh I I haven't seen any of the pride yet this season. Uh, but what I will say is that, you know, in, in any case where, you know, you have what, like six different goal scorers, I'm looking through the uh, the stats here and I feel like this episode should be called, it's only been two games, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, nice. but when you're seeing <clears throat> many names get on the board, it's not like you just have one or two goal scorers. That's like, okay, their confidence is high. We can rely on these, these players, but. Uh, when everyone's getting on the board, like it feels like everyone's getting on the board. That's huge for confidence. Um, and that's great to see that they're, uh, like you're kind of saying, Cam. It isn't really necessarily top heavy. They, they, it's so far it's only been two games, but you know the uh, the wealth is spreading out, which is uh, definitely good to see. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna have to catch some more games because especially that the six to four game, the ten goal games. That's what I love. Um, and the fact that you were seeing uh the white cats kind of coming back there at the end, uh, would have been uh really nerve wracking for me to watch. But Yeah, yeah I
2: it. it was. I was at work watching this one, and uh, you know, six one lead, things looking pretty good. Minnesota buried a few late, um, to make it like kind of close, but I got up to go check in with our director, which is like a little around the corner from my computer and stuff. So I got up, and it was like five to two. And then I came back and it was six to four. And I was like, Holy shit. I was gone <laughs> for like five minutes. That was scary. It could have been cause I had already been like, all right, I'm going to start switching over to the other game here. Like this one's wrapping up. They got it in the bag. All of a sudden it flips around. Uh, definitely. Like Chris said, not the type of thing you would expect to see with those goaltenders in net. I mean, if you had told me that, uh, you know, one of the Boston pride goaltenders need to get a shutout this opening weekend, my money would have been pretty heavy on the visa Salander. Uh, no, no offense to the other Boston Pride goalies who we'll get to in a sec here, because Katie Bird especially was f- fantastic this week. Um, but Solander, obviously, and not that it's all on her. This is this is an intelligent hockey podcast. We don't just well, or something like that, anyway. <laughs> but we don't just when it comes to goal tenders, uh, we don't throw it all on them. But um, surprising to see that that explosive offense, which I mean, you know, we talked about a little bit before Minnesota is capable of. Um, but it was a really exciting first game. Followed up by what I thought was also a really exciting second game. I didn't get to catch as much of it because I was a little busier at work, but I was keeping on eye on it on the side. Uh, Katie Burt stole the show, 27-save shutout, named her the third star of the week in the PHF. A one nothing win in a, uh, in a back-to-back, which, by the way, can you imagine the NHL if they those guys had to play a 7 p.m. game and then get up and play a 1 p.m. game the next day? They would not be able to do it. <laughs> yeah, not only uh,
1: that, but uh, Amanda Levier played – both games. Yeah, the the
2: athleticism there is is genuinely remarkable. Um and the product did not suffer at all. I thought they looked just as energized for game 2 as they did for game 1. Um but a, a really tight defensive battle that's that second game. Both teams maybe picking up a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a chip on the shoulder after not being thrilled about giving up six or four goals depending on which team you were. Um making defense a little bit more of a priority kind of a little bit more having your legs under yourself after, after, a, you know, one game into the season, you know, obviously not quite warm, I would say totally, but, um, shaking the rust off a little bit and kind of committing a little bit more to those defensive responsibilities, uh, totally a different game. Uh, but another one that kind of shows the duality of this Boston pride team. They can beat you six to four. Or they can beat you one to nothing, depending on the type of night it is, which is, is really promising to see as a fan.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, I mean that's what you want to see from any of your teams is be able to grind out a game or get into a shootout um not a literal shootout but um, yeah <laughs> that's stuff we both, don't want to see both not a literal shootout like in the like sh- shootout guns term or a literal shootout in the like hockey sense but um yeah I mean it, it, you can equate the same thing in football like it, grind out those like really muddy defensive games or you know be able to throw the ball down the field and and when you need to because it's it's the same kind of thing in hockey like it no, it doesn't matter who you're playing like the game can just go at kind of a different way depending on what um what the team decides to emphasize and it definitely looked like both teams decided to go back and and rethink their strategies for game two and uh, i think i think that was a, a fun like coaching battle too
2: yeah, kind of absolutely. Seeing,
1: seeing what, uh, you know, who's going to blink first. And it, it definitely looked a little more disjointed on the on the Minnesota side. Um, but, yeah, I think a, still an entertaining game. Um, one other thing I want to touch on before
2: we uh, move on to some Bruins stuff is uh, what you guys thought, which we've already seen on the NHL side, but here on the PHF side, the ESPN Plus broadcast, um, I thought was really well done. I mean, we got to see some some Twitch streams and stuff last year. Um for the, the tournament and stuff. But I thought this year uh, moving to ESPN plus where a lot of people are coming for other sports already, having that exposure, it's going to be really big. Uh, Twitch worked really well. And, and obviously having uh, like an option like that for fans to just be able to tune into is great. But I think, you know, having a, a brand name as big as ESPN, we talked about this with, with this with the NHL, it's, it's big. And especially for casual hockey fans who, you know, maybe follow the NHL and decided to get an ESPN plus subscription this year. You know, there's not too many games on tonight, for example. There's gonna be nights like that where there's there's PHF games on, they might want to switch it over and give it a look. Um, I thought it was a pretty clean broadcast. Yeah, I mean the, the commentary was good, the production quality was clean. I didn't have any issues with, with the broadcast and stuff. Um I was curious if you guys had any thoughts about you know what you what the viewing experience was like for you.
1: Yeah, I didn't I didn't have the sound on for the second game. Um but I game one, I mean guy all is the best in the business. Um, she's great. Yeah, she's and, remarkable. Uh, breaking things down and um, and also just kind of making you feel at ease while watching a super chaotic game. Yeah, absolutely. But I, my my only issue is I kind of hope they figure out a way to do the cameras without uh, having the netting in the way. Cause, yeah, I mean that's not the case at every rink because most rinks are are not like the Bruins practice facility, but. Um yeah having the having the netting up in front of the camera is kind of distracting and I'm not a huge fan of it but it's not like a r- ruin your experience kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All right let's let's shift it a little bit here talk a little bit of Bruins and has <clears throat>
0: Draft King. <laughs> <laughs> The Bruce and Burns podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. The NHL season is underway and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to, to help celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper from Dick Clapper or deaf deflection from... Uh, De- DeBrusque. However, they light the lamp, you win. If sports, <laughs> I feel like I'm a used mattress salesman. If sportsbook, <laughs> uh, if sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed without feeling
2: the sweat sure, from that used mattress.
0: <laughs> Every, everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Feed. Daily fantasy sports contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Tell the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code THPN throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal this week one puck in the net nets you big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply to jeffkings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: Unless Drew's got something else to say, we're going to switch gears and talk about the Bruins for a second here. So uh, since we last recorded, uh, we we last talked about the Bruins-Red Wings matchup. We said it would be nice to see the Bruins beat a team that they should beat comfortably. And guess what? They beat a team that they should beat comfortably. Comfortably. 5-1 5-1 winning the Red Wings. Um, nice spread of offense there. Patrice Bergeron scored four goals in that one, which we absolutely love to see after everybody was talking about, oh, Bergeron is fine. Far- he just finally catching up to him. he hasn't scored in the first seven games or whatever, so he sucks now. And then he went went and just tied the, tied the team lead, I believe, in goals just that one game. Um, so that was definitely promising less promising was a 5 to 2 loss in the long awaited return of the Bruins Maple Leafs rivalry which is going to take a little bit to heat up again you take <laughs> off whatever 272 or 277 whatever the fucking days against each other uh or days since they last played each other it's a little well, bit it different was
1: 722 oh
2: that's what i meant to say did i say 200 yeah no definitely more than 200 700 nearly 2 years since the bruins and yeah, leafs played they
1: didn't played. play at all last year
2: which, if you had said that before, the you know the the whole last two years have happened, then would have sounded absolutely bonkers. But
1: so, Drew, what would you have thought happened if you heard like that it was going to be seven hundred and twenty-two days until the Maple Leafs and Bruins played again after the last time they played? Which I believe well, I think was would be the reason. Yeah what 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 would you think
0: would be the reason? Um. Well, if you told me in twenty nineteen that this which was then they last played, I would say that it was because Trump got reelected and Canada just didn't want to play ball. Um and I, I'd say kudos. <laughs> I don't know. That would be like all the only reason. It would have to be that America sucks so bad that Canada doesn't want to play us anymore. <laughs> Canada doesn't wanna play with me anymore. Well, oh. well it's cause you suck. That's what it would be.
2: There you go! Wow. All right. That was. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what I would have expected. Um, I don't think it was quite that though. That was a uniquely Drew experience right there. So that's why you know you, you come in for the the pride this, talk. You you stay for the uniquely Drew experience. That's how. That's why we get the big bucks. But somebody tweeted out the lineup for the Bruins. The last time Boston and here it is. Uh, Connor Ryan, great friend of the pod slash our uh, our actual journalist plant that we set up there and occasionally <laughs> report back to. Tweeted out November 6th, the Bruins line up the last time they played Toronto. Of course you have the erection line remains unchanged. Uh, second line, Anders Bjork on the left wing with David Krejci at center and
1: Charlie Coyle at right wing.
2: Third boy, boy. line was Trent Frederick, Parlin home and Danton Heinen. Crazy.
1: That is, that is a fourth line. If I've ever heard. Of <laughs> and, and the actual,
2: the actual fourth line was Joachim Nordstrom, Sean Corral, and Chris Wagner. Uh, defense was Zdeno Chara, which tells you how long it's been since Char has been playing with McAvoy up top. Grizzly and Carlo on the second line. Third line was Cliffy Hockey. And Urovac and Nainan was Rask and Halak in net. And if, by the way, somebody sounds like they were missing. Torrey Krug was injured for that game, was still a Bruin at that time as well. So a drastically different lineup despite the uh, the erection line remaining untouched. Um, if
1: your erection line remains untouched for seven (laughs) for more than (laughs) four hours
0: yeah
2: please call a doctor
0: please call a brewer
2: yeah maybe that um anyway it was a it was a different type of reunion with our our big beefy boy nick ritchie up north um who i i think toronto was already i don't like that (laughs) i think toronto's already turned on our big beefy boy um which like duh (laughs) that's that's gonna be the the big beefy boy up north is that gonna be the name of the title (laughs)
1: better than the big beefy boy down south
2: yeah (laughs) i was actually thinking that but i didn't want to bring it there Um, anyway i didn't get to see as much of that one um just because i was i was pretty busy at work but what went wrong there for for our boys
1: i was watching it at the same time as i was watching the pride game and i'm not gonna lie i was paying way more attention to the pride game um but To me, it looked like there were um, a couple of, you know, calls that could have gone either way. And Austin Matthews ended up scoring a couple of power play goals. Yeah, I do remember that part. Yeah. um, If if those go the other way or like if they if those are calls that don't happen, um, you know, you're talking about a much closer game. And um, yeah, I I don't know. I'm not going to panic over it. It was it wasn't a good game. I wouldn't say the Bruins played well, but I don't think they got dominated as much as the five, two score might indicate. Yeah.
2: That was the feeling that I got. It was a pretty close game and then, uh, was put away. I think there was an empty netter at the end too. Right.
1: so So one of the qualms I had was that, um, the Bruins got a power play down by two with like three or four minutes left, something like that. And whenever that happens, I would love to see the goalie pulled, um, And then after that power play expired, they had a lot of trouble uh, getting the puck into their own and into their offensive zone. Um, So, yeah, it would have been nice to see maybe like a a little bit more of a chance of scoring that, that goal to get you within one and maybe start putting the pressure on a little more. But, you know.
0: I saw a lot of complaints about defense. And, you know, I saw, I saw like a period, maybe a period and a half of the game. I don't know. I was, I was tweeting for it. And then, uh, apparently I had some weird tweets according to myself later. I saw the next <laughs> day I texted you guys. Oh, those were some weird tweets. And Chris's response was, it seemed like a good night. So I, I think they were good ones. Yeah, that's, yeah, just that drew, drew
1: tweeting a bunch of pictures of of bears and trees, <laughs> according <laughs> to how the game was going.
0: <laughs> basically, it. I like the one of Allmark. It was just a bear diving into a pool. Um, <laughs> but uh I saw people complaining about defense, and my thought is, well, look at the defense that you have. Why, like, you got McAvoy, good. Yeah, Grizzlick is, is is does some good stuff. Yeah, you see good stuff done by all the other defensemen, but it's good stuff. They don't. They're like they have their strengths, but there's plenty of weaknesses on that defense. It's not deep. I love Connor Clifton, but you have him like playing a lot of minutes. <laughs> you don't. You don't need that. And you have John Moore there too. John Moore is a part of this defense. Um, Forbort is the guy you brought in to save it all. You know. Like, like just the defense, it's not that great on paper. So it's going to kind of play out the way you expect. And if, if your complaint is the defense, if your complaint is those six players, then it's like, I don't know, what do you expect that that's where they need to build. And that's where I think, you know, if they're going to be a playoff team trade deadline time, they bolster the D and that's what they'll do. But I I don't know. It's just kind of like, what do you expect? You're not going to get consistency with that kind of depth.
1: If I see Forsbrand on the top pairing one more time, goddamn man! Yeah,
2: I saw he was catching some some heavy some heavy. I don't even want to call it strays. It was just I think it was a full on. People were aiming at him, but um,
1: I, you and know, I boy didn't do him any uh, favors. But they, yeah, that was that was the one big like thing that came out of that game is that that D pairing got outchanced by a hefty margin. Yeah,
2: I uh, I don't know what to do. You know, it's it's like I, I get. You don't want to be too top heavy, which is like ironic saying as the Bruins, because that's like kind of your, your thing with the, the erection line, but it's kind of hard to justify, like looking at how dominant Charlie McAvoy and macros like are every time they play it. it's not like, it's just like, they go through stretches. It's like, it's like every time they're on a line together, they are so good. And I get, you want to have that depth because both of them are f- such strong players, but at some point, you just have to roll with it and and use them as a, you know, I, I again, you don't want to be putting them out there for 30 minutes at night, but it's like they are so fucking good together that at some point you have to just roll with that and find a way to make the bottom four work, but know that you have
1: that locked down top two. Am I wrong? No, and, and I think we've talked about this several times. I think Charlie McAvoy is that type of player who can drag somebody along with them, but I don't know if Matt Grizzly is the type of person who can do that for a third pairing. I don't like. I know he's good. He's great breaking out. Like he has his own individual skill set that works really well. I just think he meshes so well with McAvoy that it elevates his game a lot, and mm-hmm. also helps out McAvoy. Um, so I, I think that's got to be the, the that's going to be the new like should Posternuck be on the second line? Uh, like it just fucking works. Just just do it. Leave it alone.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at some point you have to like I don't know. Do you want your your number one potential Norris Trophy franchise defenseman having to drag someone along with him, or do you want to put the pieces around him like Matt like to give him the best chance of playing at a Norris Trophy level? Like he is capable of elevating another player, but you're you know you're not getting him at his peak. You're just kind of drowning out some of the minuses that another player might have. Not to like act like Derek Forsbrand is is complete garbage or something like that but obviously you're not going to get the same McAvoy with him that you would with Matt like so it is a a versatility thing that's that's good to have because yeah, you obviously have to make changes throughout the season with injuries and people coming up and down and that sort of thing but at some point like I you know you have to just those are the best two. they mesh so well together and they're both so individually talented that yeah, at some point you just have to roll with it if you're you know in my opinion the yeah, Ford, I think uh,
1: brand. it's all it's all about Forsbrand. brand. I, I think court made a really good point on on the episode he did with with you, Drew, um, where guys like Forbort and Carlo like don't do anything else. The focus is always going to be on them defensively. So when they make a mistake, it gets magnified a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we got to not be too hard on those guys when when that happens, because, um, you know, it's it wears off a little bit a little bit quicker when, you know, it's a guy like Mike Riley who has a bad game and then uh, comes in and, you know, scores a fucking goal. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, His first goal with the Bruins, big celebration for me on that, by the way. Um, We do love it. Yeah. Love, love to see it, but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, forward scored a a goal earlier in the season, but that was kind of like a, you know, yeah, that was, that was an accidental goal.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Um all right, final piece of business. I think before we wrap this up, uh Jack Stanika practicing with the Bees today being Monday, so maybe yesterday or earlier this week by the time you're listening. Uh reports that he, <laughs> reports from our guy Joe Hags that he's uh was practicing on the wing today uh with Ooh. that third line, a Hollow Debrusque and Stanika. How do you guys feel about you know, I, I thought studs looked pretty good. I mean, obviously he had a, a pretty limited sample size. Um he was not playing with the third line early this season, but um, I thought he looked pretty good. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm a little bit split up. Maybe this was just a practice thing. Cassidy said, you know, they're going to make the decision tomorrow. So being Tuesday before the game against Ottawa. I'm not sure how I feel about putting him on the wing. I feel like we've, we've just keep doing this little dance where we're not ready to commit him to a center position. And I feel like at some point, you know, if he's going to play center in the NHL, he's, he's got to prove that he can play center in the NHL.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I think at this point, you just want to get him the minutes. So which, whatever way you can get him the minutes and also have a competitive team, that's good. But yeah, I mean, you want to see what he can do at center. Eventually, you know, Krejci is already... I, I was going to say he's no longer with us. It makes it sound like he's dead. <laughs> but, you know, he's out in Europe. He's basically, uh, you know, uh, in terms of Bruinsness, ness um, like active, active black and gold blood no longer. It is now blue, red, and white, which is not America. It is Czech um where am i going with this you're gonna lose bergeron eventually then you got coil as your top boy and then like studique is there you're looking for other boys at that point right so you need suddenly to prove, like you're kind of saying cam that he can play center but for right now for this season i mean just he you got to get him the minutes and hey you know what? If you're anything, if like Bruins hire me because in 2024 you could have Dylan Larkin centering your third line with Jack Stanika and Fabian Lisel on the other wing. Uh, NHL 22, be a GM out. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, so I agree with that to an extent, but like, is Eric Hollis so good at three C that he can't be moved off the way off to the wing?
0: Yeah, and isn't Halla also like a winger? Doesn't he kind of? Yeah, <laughs> he, he has experience of both. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so.
1: and and not to you know he he
2: looked good in preseason and stuff, which I don't want to say doesn't matter. It's it's promising, but he's had I think he's had one assist in nine games, and I I think I saw he was a minus four so far, which you know plus minus whatever. But it's not like he's exactly. Lighten it up, and when we talked about this, is a third line that you know looked on paper like they could be a, a productive third line, which the Bruins have really been needing in the last couple of years, and he, it hasn't been that so far. So why not change it up a little bit, and, and why not give Stuniga the option to center it? Like, like Chris said, it's not like Hall has been so good that you can't afford you know, to shift him over.
0: Maybe maybe hala has got a got a big ego. Maybe there's some locker room issues we don't know about. You know what? Let's stir the pot a little bit. Maybe yeah, Hala the guy just needs to a, that center position, two-year
1: four million dollar deal, needs
2: to. a vibe check, yeah.
0: Being sent to the wing, he sees it as a demotion. He's the toxic, the toxic link in the in the sausage. You know that's not a saying. Um <laughs> <laughs> what are you tossing sausages in the sausages. Please, <laughs> links that are toxic. please
1: episode the title Toxic Link of the Sausage?
0: We're gonna episode the title. <laughs> oh, toxic <laughs> Link title. In the <laughs>
2: Um all right. Well with that monstrosity behind us, uh I lied, but there is actually one small piece of business. I don't want to get into like a deep conversation about this. Cause I feel like we've discussed it quite a bit over the last few weeks, but Tuka Rask a noted free agent with, I say that with the heaviest air quotes that you could possibly have practicing at the Bruins practice facility in his Bruins gear today. Um, back on the ice. I mean, still a, a while, I think until he's game ready. Um, but worth noting that the best goaltender in Bruins history is, is back. Uh, once again, free agent with air quotes, um, but is back on the ice and working toward a return. Um, something to keep an eye on and something that we will certainly be discussing over the next few weeks and, and probably months. But uh, that that's a storyline that's developing, so keep an eye on, on that one. Um, that would be... Big for the big for the big for the brand for sure. Big for the Force brand.
0: Probably. Yeah, I, th- I think we gotta tell Tuka that if he can win the cup with the Bruins, then Hags has to come on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, you know, might that might be enough motivation. Coach, yeah. What's gonna put him over the edge? That's gonna get him the Game Seven W. That's that's the difference right there. That's what wins the big games.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It's incentive. Um, <laughs> I would say w- one other piece of news uh, that you know it's not brand new news at this point but Eichel got moved oh yeah yeah he's pretty good at hockey huh yeah so I, I think like the biggest thing for that is just Bruins people can shut up about getting Jack Eichel
0: <laughs> for DeBrusque and a pick
1: yeah I mean like if, if we want to break down like what the what the actual package was that ended up getting Eichel um Alex Tuck who's I would say either like a much better version of Jake DeBrusque or like a seven years younger version of, uh, Craig Smith. Um, and then the number 11 prospect in all of hockey. Um, so I don't, uh, along with the first round pick as well. And I, I don't know if, uh, the Bruins had what it, what it took to match that, but,
2: I'm gonna go ahead and say they didn't. Not that the trade was gonna happen anyway, but even if it were, it, you know, it would
1: have required more, um, probably, to just to get him in inside the division. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, you know, we we talked about this with a couple of guests and threw together some trade packages. Talked about maybe Brandon Carlo, but like, you know, I don't think Brandon Carlos, Alex Tuck, and unless you're throwing in also. Jeremy Swayman, who's the Bruins' best prospect, um, yeah, you are not really you are not really touching that. So, I mean, overall, like I think for the situation, they got a pretty good uh, return for Eichel. But I mean, if they had traded him a couple of years ago when he was first starting to get unsettled with being in Buffalo and kind of felt like they were not going anywhere, um, they would have gotten a much bigger return. <laughs> yeah um yeah yeah that whole uh that whole thing
2: has just been a nightmare um you gotta feel for for jack as somebody who you know had a pretty serious neck injury wanted to make the decision about his own surgery buffalo wasn't wasn't thrilled about it because it hadn't been done on an active nhl player um you know it had been done on other athletes fighters and stuff but uh, Buffalo, for whatever reason, wasn't willing to take that risk with with their asset, which it, it feels weird calling him their asset because he's a he's a person first and foremost.
1: It, it feels right in that context, though. The way that they were treating him, that feels like yeah,
2: that's attorney. that's that's fair. Um, obviously, there's two sides to it. It is it is still a, a business for Buffalo, um, but at the end of the day, humanity prevails. And uh, you know, he wanted to get the surgery that he that he wanted to get, and uh, I think he has every right to do that. Um, And, of course, obviously, time that he's spent in Buffalo and and their inability to win and and build a team around him maybe played a role in that as well. But um, at the end of the day, it was nice to see him finally uh, get a ticket out of there and stuff. I mean, I I think it's going to be good for for the league, too. I think having a, a player of his caliber kind of just for lack of a better term washing away or wasting away in buffalo isn't the best no offense to any buffalo fans it is a great hockey city when they're there but they you know management ownership doesn't seem particularly invested in building a Stanley Cup winner right now um despite that they're they're looking at people who are i believe quote dying to be in buffalo um but you know it's just they're not really? in a position to compete anytime soon um and to see a player you know of his caliber kind of wasting away there was a a little bit sad um so i think it's gonna be really interesting to see what he can do with a, a golden knights team down the road we'll see um that's another thing that's gonna be really interesting maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about this a little bit on friday content but uh talking about how vegas is gonna play a little cap gymnastics to make that work but It'll probably be next season by the time he's 100% back to, to true Jack Eichel status, but I'm excited to see what he can do on on that team and in that city for sure.
1: Yeah, shouts
0: to Vegas Like constantly
1: just making big trades to get big players. I love that. It's fun.
0: I, yeah, it's I fun. I think we should uh, record a live episode in Buffalo at some point. Um, and we'll we see, can invite Jack us. Eichel and we can invite <laughs> Omar and – Just uh, Taylor Hall. We can all just have a good jolly old Um, time. Sipping champagne.
1: We'll title the episode Dying to be in Buffalo.
0: Dying to be, <laughs> or, or dining. We could do some fine dining. So, dining, dining to dining be. To be <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's good. Get some wings out there,
0: baby. What's the name of this episode? Something about so, it was. Did we go meaty link. hogs? Or Did toxic we go toxic, link of the
1: sausage?
0: Toxic link of the sauce.
1: Oh, we've got
2: some good contenders in here. So yeah, I don't think I'll be texting you tomorrow for which one. <laughs>
0: uh, we we'll could put it. We could put, a put, a put a up to a poll. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe put it on Twitter right now.
2: <laughs> just absolutely no <laughs> context in the whatsoever.
0: Chat, the, uh, the options.
2: <laughs> oh god alright well I guess I was going to say if you're listening to this go vote in the poll but it'll be too late by then so uh, go vote in some other bullshit poll that we probably got out by now uh, yeah, this is a fun one. Like, thanks for tuning go, in, guys. Go
1: rate, go rate, and review our podcast. That's yeah, that's
2: what we can do. that would be really neat, actually. Uh, the and download. We never yeah. talk about this. We <laughs> we get our our fat paychecks, of course, from DraftKings based on downloads. So if you stream the podcast, we appreciate your support. Uh, but if you download it, we appreciate you even more. And I will Extreme stream one just
1: fine. I don't know
2: what the do they. Is. I don't really know. Either way, give us some reviews or send us an email. Um, oh shit. We forgot to, to do, I'll do that for tomorrow with, with Lancey too, or, or whoever we have. <laughs> I assume it's going to be Lancey. Um, but we got probably the greatest email that I've ever received, which is saying something because I work at a local news station and we get some fucking weird emails. Sometimes uh, we got a no context email from one of our listeners last week, uh, which we'll be sharing, I guess, uh, anonymously tomorrow uh, as we, grasp for more questions from our audience but uh yeah reach out to us we appreciate that it, it means a lot so uh yeah thanks for thanks for
0: tuning in anybody got any final words um nope. vote on well you would have already voted by now yeah on title, so uh vote? <laughs> did you vote, vote? Did you your sticker did, did you vote how, how was that i didn't get my that? sticker and i haven't vote.
2: decided what to put it on yet i didn't want vote to put it on, on me right then. So, all right. We'll see you next time, y'all. Peace. Later.